This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. Uh, we are coming closer and closer to our first year anniversary. And so uh, is our diversity also growing? Uh, we have had a lot of episodes on sales recently, and this time we are trying to have something different uh, on healthcare and trying to dig deeper into this digital marketing in healthcare and how it can improve the patient engagement. We have got Dr. Meda Afan. She's the co-founder of Seven Health. Seven Health is a strategic business partner in healthcare. She's based in Canada. Now she's joining us from the Saudi. So welcome to this episode, Dr. Mehta. Well, thank you, Sara. Thank you, George, and uh, for giving me the opportunity. Congratulations on one year of, of the Ultimate Global Podcast. You know, being a podcast host myself, I know how much energy and consistency and effort it takes. So um, commendable effort. Thank you. thank you so much, doctor. Thank you so much, doctor. Um, to begin with today's discussion, I would like to ask you this question of uh, how do you think digital marketing has transformed healthcare sector as a whole? Um, I do a lot of digital marketing. Uh, I have done some sort of digital marketing at startups from a tech sales point of view, but would be keen to know from a healthcare point of view, what do you feel uh, are the major trends in digital marketing? And then sure. we can have some follow-up discussion with George as well. So I think um, I think we should uh, turn the question around, Saurabh. It's not how much digital marketing has transformed the healthcare sector. It's really about the healthcare consumers and how they're driving the digital transformation in healthcare, everything from tech all the way to marketing. Now, historically speaking, healthcare has uh, always kind of been late to the game. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know how technology, other industries are benefiting from technology. They're leveraging the power of technology and they're benefiting greatly from it. Um, and after, more so after COVID and the pandemic, healthcare, of course, because it took the biggest blow and it was the main sector that was sort of involved and hit by the pandemic. It's, it's just pushed everyone towards digitization, right? So everything from patient care to provider care to the way um, that the patients and providers interact with, with each other, but then also the different stakeholders in healthcare. Um, having said that, healthcare marketing and communications has also changed. The marketing landscape over the last 10 years, but more so after the pandemic has really become digital first. And the sooner healthcare organizations realize this, the better. Um, so I'm just gonna elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, when I was, um, you know, I practiced as a clinician, uh, as a general practitioner for briefly about two years after, after I graduated and uh, I was on parental leave. And as most doctors, they can't stay idle for too long. And so I was just looking for to stay busy and I wanted to, uh, you know, just maintain my sanity, in other words, by keeping busy and staying productive. Uh, so I got a job with a US-based telemedicine company. And this is seven years ago. This is before digital health was booming in the market. This is before telemedicine was actually a new normal way of communicating. 
And uh, with them, I started off as a clinical content strategist, right? but then that role quickly expanded into digital marketing, into product launches, into um, you know communications. And so that is where I found that, you know what, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I think I can do this as well. Because, uh, well, um, even before medicine, before my creativity, uh, you know, went to die because of all the textbooks and everything, I was a story, I've always been a storyteller uh, since childhood, ever since I can remember. So this was, this was creativity combined with my clinical knowledge. And so... I really found that this was a place where I could add the most value. And long story short, it was, um, it was, uh, you know, over the years, I've just been able to create a niche for myself in healthcare marketing and communications. But now we know now, you know, as especially after the pandemic and as, when health tech tools, as health tech tools are increasingly hitting the market, there is this conversation among industry experts that product design and development and other processes and decision-making should be clinician-guided and should be with the collaboration of clinicians. That is the only way that we can make patient-centric solutions, and that is the only way that we can reach our patients better, is when you involve somebody who's from the system, understands the system, understands the products, understands the patient-provider journey, and understands the psychology of the patients. Right, because that is that is what we're focusing on marketing nowadays. It's the behavior, it's the consumer behavior. So there's a term sort of called consumerization of healthcare. And what that means is when I say that the patients are in the driving seat, it is because they have become more empowered, they've become more in, in control, and they are the ones that want to make decisions pertaining to their healthcare because they have this device you know, in their hand 24 seven. And they know that with a click of a button, if they can, if they want to order food, they can order food. If they want to watch their favorite movie, they can watch their favorite movie in the palm of their own hand, right? If they want to or go shopping, they can do it without leaving their house. And why can't we do that with healthcare? Why can't we make the experience just as seamless with healthcare? Now in the marketing context, um, you know, it's, it's about meeting patients where they are. Right. So we know that the patients are online. We know that the patients are using social media and we know that the patient's attention span has also reduced by a lot. So we need to, as healthcare marketers and communications experts, we need to be mindful of their behavior. We need to be mindful of their psychology and cater to all these factors and more um, to be able to reach them in a, in a more engaging manner so to speak. Yep. I think one of the interesting points that you just raised was uh, understanding the consumer behavior or psychology. I really feel that it's very important to understand that thing in all the industries. How do you, how do you generally visualize that for the healthcare sector in general? No, great question. Um, so, you know, when we talk about the psychology of patients, it's really we have to understand that they're coming from an already maybe stressful place because they're the ones who are suffering from an illness or a disease or um, some sort of problem that they want a solution to. Unfortunately, we're still struggling in terms of digital health. We're still struggling with the basics, right? So we want provider access on time. We want uh, to be able to get our medicines on time. We want to be informed and we want to be involved in the decision-making with the healthcare professional. Um, and then let's let's let even beyond that, if we talk about you know grassroots level 
sort of uh, the problems that we have surrounding health inequities, right? So there's a difference between health equality and health inequity. Um, so health equality is the assumption that everyone is getting the same or everyone has access to the same quality of care. And then health equity is that everyone is getting the same equity of care or the same quality or has access to the same quality of care. And what I mean by that is um, if we have to keep in mind, you know, we can assume that everyone has an internet connection. We can assume that everyone has a smartphone. We can assume that everyone knows how to use the smartphone, but the reality is not as such, right? There are different patient cohorts, for, in for instance, studies show that the older patient cohort um, they're a little, they're not as tech savvy, they're not digital natives. And so they usually require some sort of assistance, although um, now they, you know, they can use basic applications like WhatsApp and uh, like other, other sort of basic um, uh, mobile applications. But then that's where, that is where we have to come in and understand and ask them and make these solutions and communication materials and marketing materials really user intuitive, really easy to understand and help the patient get the awareness of their illness, but then also provide means of um, using this information to make shared decisions with their clinician, for example, and then more informed decisions about their health, right? So it's all integrated. We can't, we have to stop working in silos. And I think a big condition in healthcare right now is about the healthcare ecosystem. And the health communications and healthcare marketing can really help, you know, bridge a gap in that area. I was reading a survey um, the other day in which uh, it said that uh, there was a survey of healthcare executives in a hospital. And they said the biggest gap that they see that, that impacts patient care or patient outcomes is the health communication gap between the provider and the patients, even that even tops supply chain optimization. So that just goes to show that, you know, there's something wrong. Um, we either, I'm just saying that if we can have a mobile app to consult with a doctor online, why don't we have, why aren't we using technology? Why aren't we using innovative technologies for better communication to reach the patients where they are? Um, another, uh, a couple of days ago, it was really interesting because I often talk about social media. Uh, and so social media or marketing is often taken as, Yo, you know, you put on posts and uh, social media is for healthcare. It people don't take it seriously, but I came across a research uh, where uh, the, it was it was one of the first decentralized clinical trials. So decentralized means that you're not dependent on a certain location, but you can reach the patients where they are. Uh, whereas typically a clinical trial consists of patients coming to a certain location, traveling all that time, having like control groups and everything. But this was one of the first decentralized clinical trials, which means that uh, the surveys and the, the, the patient monitoring uh, was, um, was done remotely or, and was done virtually using technology. So, but where did they get those customers or where did they get those patients for the clinical trials? From social media. And I actually wrote a post on that on LinkedIn as well, that this is how we can leverage technology. This is how we can use omni-channel marketing for, for healthcare processes, such as clinical trials, such as patient engagement, such as better patient provider communication. I can go on, but I'll let you... Um, I guess we can also look at from a consumer's point of view or from the other side of uh, other point of view as well. And moving to George now, 
as to how do you think george the healthcare kind of has changed over the last 20 30 years uh, in australia because you have been here in australia so from a patient's point of view or consumer's point of view how do you think as uh, dr meda is pointing out that if you can have that on your mobile on your fingertips the life can become very easy for patients uh, when they are interacting with the providers of the hospitals isn't it yeah i think there's a couple of things here that those that can use the mobile or the internet or the computer it's fantastic the age in australia our population is aging it's there's a heck of a lot of people that are scared by technology and anything i do and anything i get i don't know if it's a scam anymore so there's all that fear around it um and and that's a that's a topic within a topic because i think the internet and and a lot of the internet providers have a lot to answer for to to uh tighten up the security and therefore credibility of social media of 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 internet use of your of your phone um you know there's many a person now that won't won't respond to a text message that comes on their phone because we just really don't know who's doing what on the other side of the coin i think one of the great advancements and certainly this has been a benefit to me in the last year um i had occasion that i had to um had a weird reaction to a tablet and ended up in hospital um and then had to get scans done and then had to get information and then had to talk to my doctor and then had to do this and then had to do that but it was all coming through on the on my app on my phone and so when i did go to the doctor i had my scans available he had my information when i went when we went to move a, one of my clients we moved him from one location to another location all of that was sent through in a heartbeat so that's 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 been a great benefit um the my my concern is the yes it's accessible but is it applicable to the aging population that we have and that's not just in australia that's got to be in other countries around the world also um the marketing side of it and the um it's interesting that we're talking about uh, the marketing being um consumer driven and all of that theoretically marketing's always supposed to be consumer driven <laughs> theoretically we're supposed to be doing marketing and finding out what the consumer wants and then supply i think i think um uh, dr afan yeah. the difference is now the people have the ability to tell you that you're wrong or tell you that you're right a lot yeah. quicker and so we're actually getting a truer representation not some peanut that's sitting in a uh, an office on $200,000 a year and they decide what somebody wanted they, okay. there's actually they get i think we're getting a a richer and a and a better feedback from the consumer Um, Absolutely. I think that you've touched on an excellent point that you know marketing is always theoretically been uh driven by the consumer. The only problem has been that patients have never been treated as consumers and it's high time that healthcare organizations look at patients and see patients as consumers. Now yeah. that 
then people, you know, there's an argument there that you know are we commodity or are we, are we commodifying healthcare uh, do we treat um, you know healthcare as a commodity well you know it's it's not not all of it is transactional no uh, but there of course it's based on relationship building but the fact of the matter remains that yes patients have more power patients have more knowledge patients have more awareness and um, patients are going to help hold you accountable for that uh, and patients would like to know and be more informed and make shared decisions with their clinicians. So, you know, yes, there are. I always say that healthcare is a very unique industry because it's based on a framework of ethics and patient privacy and their regulations and compliance and guidelines that we have to follow. And so but even even if while, you know, being within that regulatory framework, I still think that you can, if nothing else, you can be the source of information, you can be that trustable source of information for your patients, if nothing else. And so the focus should be integrated. The focus should be a holistic sort of approach where you are guiding the patient from, from the first sort of step all the way through the patient journey. And this is why other industries are doing so well because they're incentivizing their offerings. And I think this is a huge gap in the healthcare industry that we have to learn how to incentivize healthcare for the patients. Now, not necessarily, I'm not talking about monetary or economic, you know, compensations, but maybe something like if they, so for instance, in developing countries, I know that uh, people, I have a lot of colleagues and I, I'm in those conversation spaces. Um, the maternal health, for instance, is, is poor. The maternal morbidity and the maternal mortality rate and the infant mortality and morbidity rate is really uh, high in developing countries. So what they're doing now to make sure that uh, pregnant, you know, women are uh, booking themselves into or checking into a maternal facility is that they give they give them a certain amount of, you know, compensation or a reward, so to speak, that, you know, book yourself, go to your antenatal checkups, um, take your antenatal vitamins and uh, go to your follow up postnatal care. Right. But they're incentivizing it in a way that makes sense to them, to that particular audience. For people who are using digital technology, I think we can do the same. Other industries are doing it, right? I mean, I'm sure you order, you're like a, probably a loyal member of some community or Starbucks or something. And look at how they, uh, you know, incentivize their offerings. I think maybe we could find creative ways to engage our patients that way. You know, maybe we could give them like a free free online uh, consultation uh, for a certain amount of points that they gather. I don't know, I'm just I'm just saying some sort of reward system that keep them engaged and we can, this is where we can learn from other industries outside of healthcare. This is what patient think, engagement is, right? I think one of the areas um, that that can be further developed and I'm, I'm starting to see it happen more and more now, but I don't feel well, okay. Um, oh my gosh, it's 5.30, um, I've got to wait. The doctor's surgery doesn't open till 8.30 tomorrow, so I don't know if I can even get in to see my doctor at 8.30. However, I've got a sore back and I want to go and see my chiropractor and I can hook onto this and I can actually book myself in and I can see when, when they're available right through. I can plan my day for tomorrow with my chiropractor, with my remedial massage, with this, with this, with this. And I think those are the areas within uh, health that I think um, we can still do better in. Yeah. Um, I, I waited just on a week and a half 
to get a specialist to actually be able to speak to them to be able to get an appointment. And you already know if it's a specialist, that's three weeks out. So now I'm at four and a half. Like, God forbid if you're actually dying and, you know, you had a 24-hour disease, right, we'll get to you within a week. Now, so, so I think now I don't think you have to give me incentive for that. All I think you have to do is let me know. Um, Sarab doesn't have that service. That doctor does have that service. And eventually I say, you know what, I'll go that way. Um, yeah. And that's I've seen a lot of that happening. Uh, my I use the example of the chiropractor because um, my chiropractor is about 30 minutes away from me. Um, and he's had that system in for probably over a year and a half now where you can literally go in and book. You, you, you know exactly when he's available all the way through. Um, and yeah. all his, all the practitioners in that clinic, uh, they've got masseuses, they've got um, the chiropractor, they've got acupuncture, they've got all sorts of things. You can actually go in by category and say, right, I want to see them first, then there, then there. Um, yeah. So I think there's, that's that's another area that can be of great help because I remember when my mum was alive and and she was getting frail at home before we'd moved her into her home and she hey, did you get onto the doctor today oh no I rang up and it was engaged and then I got distracted and then this happened and then that happened and I couldn't sit yeah. there any longer. No, I think um, I think what you're referring to, George, is because of the staffing crisis as well. And I think that's a global problem because there's yep. a shortage. There's a shortage of doctors. There are bottlenecks that are that are you know sort of piling up, and this is uh, impacting patient care, right? Which is resulting into longer waiting times and just people sort of maybe brushing their you know just like oh you know it's so long, just let's just forget it. Let's just brush it under the carpet. Let's just do home remedies or whatever, and it often ends up being worse, right? Um, so interestingly. I had I was recording uh, one of my episodes yesterday, just yesterday, with uh, with uh, with a person in Canada, and they've really come up. Uh, they've come up with a really innovative solution. So they are helping the staffing crisis in Canada, and they're using technology. They've made a portal, a job matching portal for healthcare. Um, to support the staffing crisis there, because I've, you know, I was reading the article. I was reading an article the other day, and a lot of I live in Ontario, so there was uh, there are a lot of hospitals in Ontario that are, you know, closing down temporarily because their ERs, emergency rooms, and their ICUs um, are, are lacking nurses. They have, you know, there's a shortage of nursing staff. So I think, again, um, it's a plethora of of challenges of problems. Uh, having said that, it can be overwhelming at times, you know, when we talk about healthcare and the problems that it's facing. But again, you know, as they say, a problem is always an opportunity to make it better. So, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're trying to move the needle forward and hopefully we'll see some advancements in that. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, there's, there's something that, that's near and dear to my heart at the moment because, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the um, Ross Hutchison Foundation, uh, which is a charity that I'm, I'm now CEO of. Um, now, Ross suffers from um, diabetes, um, and, and I've, I've, I've been around various relatives over the years that suffer from diabetes. Ross has a little unit on his arm now. Um, we're sitting there having a meeting. He's, his phone goes off, tells him that his sugar levels are up or down, and, and, and can even indicate to him how many units he has to self-medicate with. Yeah. Now, 
for for somebody suffering from diabetes, I, I, I've had friends over the years who didn't do their check quick enough. Yeah. That by the time they found out they were in trouble, they'd passed out. Uh, that is a huge advancement in in technology, and 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 that's where um, uh, patient centric and technology um, combinations is is it, to me it's just a fantastic setup. Um, right. Because I, I've literally been with him, and he's gone. Oh no, that didn't work. Hang on, and it sends another message to him. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and and just to just to sort of expand on that and add the communications part to it, it's so important to provide awareness about these technologies to patients so they know how to use them. And this is actually with the gap that I was talking referring to earlier. But Sarab, yeah, go ahead. I think you have a question that you were saying. Yes, join us anytime, Sarab. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I think we have been touching upon some really good points, such as incentives, understaffing booking system. Another thing that we definitely uh, should talk about here, I don't know, I know this topic is, uh, this podcast is more inclined towards marketing. Um, but I think affordable healthcare is something very important uh, topic to discuss upon. In developed countries, we don't realize this because we have a social security system in place where governments sponsor the healthcare, governments take care yeah. of your health after a certain age or maybe throughout your lifetime. This is not the same case in developing countries. Um, most of the South Asian countries, African countries, they don't have they don't have free healthcare. Uh, so when we are talking about inculcating these technologies, um, I would like to ask you, Dr. Mehta, what are the players which really need to play a major role to make sure that the technologies are adopted pretty well, but it is also right. affordable for the audience and accessible to them. Uh, yeah. And I think government, public health players, entrepreneurs can really play a major role in that, isn't it? No, excellent question. Um, so it's really good. I, I like the direction that this uh, conversation is headed in, in because, like I said, we cannot work in silos, so everything is interconnected. When we talk about developing countries, most of the, up to 70% of the population reside in rural areas, right? And so I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and I was like, you know, well, if we go to the rural area, uh, first of all, they live, most of them live below the poverty line. Um, they're not as educated as you'd like them to be. Um, and they're basically struggling for basic necessities such as clean drinking water, right? Yep. Like, let's fake it. Let's face it. They're not going to know how to or they're not even going to care. Uh, their health care is probably at the lowest, uh, down really low on their list of priorities. So... What we can do is either we have to find, now we have to find, identify the friction areas, what the gaps are. Well, they already walk two hours to get clean drinking water. How about we set up satellite clinics? But are they going to have enough energy um, left to walk all the way to the satellite clinics? No. Okay. Well, let's, that means they need transport. Let's set up a means of transport. Okay. Let's get them like a bus or a, a vehicle of some sort. But we don't have infrastructure. They don't have the roads. They don't have you know, the basic uh, whatever. So are we going to build roads? I mean, what would make more sense? What would be most cost effective is if a, the telecommunication industry, for instance, comes in, gives them an internet connection. There are already local uh, health workers there, like lady health visitors and other trusted community healthcare, you know, practitioners who are there. Get, get their confidence, get them in confidence, train them so then they can train 
their communities to use you know these smartphones but what we're going to do is we're going to get them we're not only going to educate them but we're going to distribute lightweight simple to use mobile apps in their community why not i've seen i've seen programs where they're distributing laptops to people because you know for students and and to help them sort of pro- progress in entrepreneurial programs why can't we teach them how to use digital technology everyone is on tiktok right i mean everyone knows how to use a tiktok i think um i think it's really i i don't think that there would be any resistance to change there but the the fact of the matter is like you said sorab that healthcare is a basic human right and it should not only be accessible for people who have the means to acquire it it should be same that's that that's the principle of a health equity that everyone should have access to the same quality of of care in developing countries yes we need to work on a lot of fronts that includes outreach initiatives that includes patient awareness that includes you know going down into the field educating them gaining their confidence and then the the practitioners that are in that community with whom the you know the the village or the community already has a trust established with we have to gain them we have to sort of um, work with them to to inculcate you know technology for their care yeah i think that's what i was trying to touch base upon because um if we are talking about these technologies if we are talking about providing healthcare on our fingertips uh what if that person doesn't even know how to use a mobile exactly. phone uh, what if yeah. that person doesn't even have a mobile phone itself right so yeah. that is what i'm saying accessibility and affordability once these two a's are fulfilled then we can talk about adaptability to the technology um, how do you think about this topic george from um, you know an australian point of view and i think i know in australia everything is uh, more affordable uh, we have a medicare card uh, governments uh, government sponsors but i i think we discussed about several challenges in australian healthcare system as well in spite of all those things uh, already being there right yeah look this it would be absolutely ridiculous and insulting to compare the challenges that we have in australia in healthcare to some some of the challenges in in third world countries i mean there i'm not for one minute suggesting they're on a path it's it's not but even in places like australia if if you don't have private healthcare in australia right now and you you need a knee replacement or a or a um a knee um uh, operation you can be waiting anything up to 2 years in the public health system the so um now that is partly because of the system and it's partly because of the covid and all of that but but the bottom line is if if you have if you have private healthcare in australia at the moment and i and i uh, injure my knee or my leg or whatever i can i can pretty well get into hospital straight up but if but if you're in, if you're going in as a public person you can wait and wait and wait and i know of a couple of people that have had that very situation occur um i had somebody that needed to get some um surgery done for um blocked arteries and that was not considered an urgent matter right now um there was ways and means that we were able to resolve that but but there had to that we had to 
we had to apply some some out of the box thinking, and I'll just leave it at that, um, to be able to get that person to be able to get into hospital in in a short time, right? Yeah. So um, the the problem the problem is that we still suffer, I believe, in society of not thinking enough about the bottom 10% and thinking too much about the top 10%. And whether that's the top 10% of the 100 or the top 10% of the 50 or the top 10% of the 20, we, we're, always, we're always trying to fix this up. It's the, the, right, the people right at the end of the line. Yeah. They're the ones uh, in Australia, the, the, the people that are pen on pensions, the people that are homeless, they, in some ways in Australia, you might be actually better off being homeless because at least if you if you fall over in the street, the police will say, oh, we can't leave a body here. We've got to take them to hospital, you know. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other side of it is, and this is one of the things, Doctor, that concerns me with this whole digital thing. I know it's not medicine, but... But I'll give you an example. Through a chain of events, I've, I've got an issue with my um, toll toll tag for my vehicle. You try and you try and get on this damn phone and actually ring to speak to a human being. It's it's almost impossible to find a number because we're doing digital to help you, and that's it. Mm. Um, I, I'm actually keeping. I'm trying to. I'm trying to communicate with the service provider. In that, I have a record where I was on the phone for 48 minutes and still not answered. But, yeah, but lovely ridiculous. digital stuff, and it says you can go. You can go to the web and fix this problem, but the web won't fix the problem because the web's demanding that I do one of three things. Now, as that creeps into health. And, and Mrs. Brown actually wants to ask a question, but it says, oh, no, you go to the website and you can, you, those are your three points. That's, that's one of my concerns. The, the, yeah. the, the, as if digitalisation comes into medical and health, as it has in many other avenues mm -hmm. of, of our society now, people mm -hmm. will be funneled like sheep down a certain road and that'll be the end of us. And this is this is where, well, immediately as you said that, and you, as you explained that, thank you for sharing that. Um, so first of all, I always say that good reviews are good, but bad reviews are better, uh, because it gives you the opportunity to uh, identify those gaps and then work on them and make the patient experience better. And this is this is actually called when we talk about individualized care or value based care. This is what we're talking about. Because everyone, every patient is different. So every patient experience is going to be different. Yes, we can streamline or make the experience seamless. You know, the major sort of touch points are, are the same for everyone. But when we're talking about the patient experience and what they're dealing with, we have to keep in mind their individual preferences. We have to keep in, mm -hmm. that in, mind, in mind their individual challenges. And that comes from the social determinants, right? So that might be a language barrier, that might be an age issue, that might be a lack of awareness, that might be, um, you know, uh, certain cultural values uh, that play into the healthcare uh, sort of uh, equation. So 
so I think, yeah, George, no, you've you've touched on a, upon a really important point, and this is what we're this is what the conversations that we're having now in this space is how do we provide patient centric? Yes, but even patient centric care has to be individualized, right? According to individual preferences, keeping in mind that everyone has that uh, it's a diverse population. Even within a certain population segment, there's there's diversity and there's individual preferences. Again, this comes to the point, this is the communication gap, right? It just, it brings us back that this is the communication. This is why we need uh, inclusively designed health education and health awareness meeting. And when I mean, what I mean by inclusive is that we need to keep in mind differently abled people as well. We need to keep in mind, again, like I said, the older patient cohort. We need to keep in mind people who, um, you know, whose first language may not be English. And this is actually, okay, when we talk from a marketing perspective, we have to understand, or from a healthcare perspective, in health technology or healthcare digitization, there are care points, you know, like uh, patient appointment booking, and then you have your, uh, your, your actual online video consultation, and you have follow-up care, and etc. In marketing and communications, you have your digital touch points that the patient you know, uh, starts their journey on to get their information. One of the first digital touch points is what? If you want to find something, if you want an answer to a healthcare question, where do you go first? What do you do? I'm asking you, Sara, what do you do? Where do you go to to look for health information? For, for me, it will be going on my mobile phone, searching on the Google. Google, right? So Google is one of the first digital points. And I have to give credit to Google that in the healthcare space, especially during COVID and post-COVID, Google actually uh, was very mindful of the fact that that Google is the first digital touch point. And what it did, it would it introduced some unique features. And so, for instance, if there was a clinic in your vicinity, and this was not applicable to everywhere, but I think it was applied in the US first. But um, what they did was that if there was a clinic or a healthcare organization in the facility, uh, you didn't even have to go to the website on the search engine itself. It gave you, you know, was it was it wheelchair accessible? Did it have uh, providers that spoke the same language as you? It gave you the timings and it allowed you to book appointments. It showed you the available appointment slots on the search engine itself, like right there on the search bar. You didn't even have to go. That's how urgent, you know, that at that time period was. But that's that's how Google really sort of individualized care and helped people uh, with this, this accessibility that you're talking about. Um, it, it even, it, it made things quicker. And so this is, and now, you know, you see this trend, it just, it takes me to another point, but I'd like to mention it here that you see this trend of big tech going into healthcare. And so big companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, they are acquiring these smaller healthcare companies, well, not smaller, but relatively smaller compared to them. They're acquiring healthcare companies why? Because they're already using people's data. They're already using consumer data uh, to for their own products. But now they see that, well, A, it's profitable, which is, which is something that I want to tell people who say that, you know, uh, who are hesitant for healthcare organizations who are hesitant to adopt healthcare digitization uh, tools or to, to who are hesitant to adopt health communication technology because they think it might be a cost for them. We now, this is the point where we have to measure the cost between the patient, are we going to risk at the cost of what? The cost of patient of, of poor patient outcomes or the cost of an ROI? And let me tell you, the research does show that if you have, 
if we fill that communication gap, there's actually financial benefit to it. That you know, studies have shown that there's a twenty-five thousand dollar increase per year per physician. When the patient feels like they're more involved in their healthcare decision, you get up to twenty percent more patients. That is already an ROI, an increase in ROI. I mean, so you know, it's again risk versus benefit. We have to see at what cost we're giving up the other, the other opportunity. Absolutely, I think benefit, uh, you know, cost-benefit analysis, and also tracking these touch points, not only important in your uh, in the healthcare sector, um, but I think I also keep on doing that from a sales point of view. Whenever you're selling any product, you try to track those touch points so that you can see how you can enhance your communications with the customers. Yeah. But I think as we are coming close to today's uh, uh, end of today's podcast. Um, I would definitely like to thank Dr. Mehta and George for participating and making this discussion really insightful and knowledgeable for the audience. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. 